Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to episode 138 of McChesney Unchained. I'm your host, Matt McChesney. Make sure you go to thednbr.com to check out the show and all the other amazing content uh, down at the barn studio off of Colfax. So Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Uh, happy holidays. And uh, we're going to bring you a, a pretty kick-ass show today here on episode 138 of McChesney Unchained. Uh, <clears throat> for all of you sitting around this weekend uh, with your friends and your family eating good and, and watching football, uh, if you want to get in on some of this Christmas sports betting and make it an even better year, uh, I highly advise you to do so. If, of course, you feel like you're lucky. Uh, it's Christmas week and DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA, has a gift that certainly will put you in the holiday spirit. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team. Uh, and you win $150 in free bets if you're victorious. It's a great way to put some extra jingle in your pocket. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get into the Christmas spirit uh, with a holiday free bet surprise. Everyone will get a free bet up to $5 instantly at DraftKings, and that, that gives away up to tens of million dollars in prizes every year. You can use the the uh, prize bets on on anything uh, in, in the docket there for DraftKings, from the NFL to the NBA to college basketball, so on and so forth. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the, the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code DNVR and bet just $5 on any NBA team this Christmas weekend and win $150 in free bets if you're victorious. The promo code is DNVR. This Christmas week on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA and the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new, customer, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Uh, before we get into the ins and outs here uh, on 138, uh, <clears throat> last Thursday, when the Chiefs and the Chargers play played, uh, I hit a I hit a massive six leg parlay on a three hundred dollar bet uh, with Kelsey scoring, with Hill scoring, uh, with Keenan Allen scoring, and uh, my man Austin Eckler scoring. And then I took the over and the Chiefs, and they ended up winning in overtime. So a three hundred dollar bet paid out to about uh, nine G's. So that was a nice little Thursday night bonus, a nice little Friday morning to wake up to. Uh, so look, man, make sure you bet responsibly, and you're not putting, you know, you're, you're not laying your dick up there on the table if, if you're not uh, willing to to you know 
get cut on if things go bad. So <clears throat> make sure that you're doing it responsibly. But I will say, if you have knowledge of the game and, and you feel like, you know, you know something that somebody else doesn't know or you got a little in or an out, uh, then, you know, get on DraftKings and, and, and play and see if uh, see if you can make Christmas an even more special time of year for you and your family. Because I know it's going to, just like last year, baby, it's going to be a good Christmas at the McChesney House this year. Okay, let's roll. Uh, National Signing Day was last week. Uh, we didn't end up doing a show last week. Uh, and, and that's okay. You know, it's a slow time of the year retrospectively, but uh, moving into the holiday, I wanted to make sure that we at least talked about uh, National Signing Day a little bit. It was early signing day, which I despised. I don't like the early signing day at all. Uh, I think that guys who are committed can wait until February. If they're early enrolling in January, they should sign early and leave. Other than that, though, I think it's just an opportunity for college football coaches to leverage uh, kids at one double A programs and, and D two programs to sign early. And I, I just, I think it's giving more power to the coaches and the recruiting process than, than is needed. Uh, everybody can wait until February and sign as they did for so many years, of course, unless you're signing and uh, enrolling early, which I encourage all my guys to do. And this year, uh, <clears throat> This year, our early signing day was an extreme success, to say the least. Um, last year, we had a great class. This year's class might be even better. I don't know. I have to sit down and really nitpick that. But uh, the Air Force Academy picks up three great players. Jackson Adams, the outstanding outside linebacker, uh, defensive end at Arapaho, uh, who was first-team All-State this year, and so on and so forth. He signs with Air Force off of a late offer. They offered him about a week before uh, he signed. Uh, Luke Meyer, the outstanding outside linebacker, defensive end at Valor, all six foot six, six seven, super long. I call him Earthworm Jim. If you don't know who Earthworm Jim is, uh, get your ass on the Google machine and Google Earthworm Jim, and that's exactly what this kid looks like. He can reach out and touch you from across the room. Uh, he signs with Air Force as well. I think both those kids are high level Power Five D one players. So for Troy Calhoun and, and Coach Nor and everybody down there at Air Force to bag two great defensive ends, probably the best two pure defensive ends in the state of Colorado uh, is huge in my opinion. Uh, and then they go out and they get a legacy offensive lineman, uh, Carl Falk, uh, a great friend of mine and, and a client. Also his son, Alec Falk signs with the air force Academy, a big six foot five and a half, six, six, uh, offensive tackle guard. That's a big nasty son bitch from Palmer Ridge. Um, <clears throat> he signs with the air force as well. His father, Carl, uh, played way back in the day in the WAC, uh, played offensive line at the Air Force Academy. So it's always cool when you've got, you know, a, a dad that played somewhere and his son walks into the program two years ago, ready to work and ends up walking in his father's footsteps. And both of them now being Air Force Falcons, that's something that family can be proud about until the day they are dust. So uh, that's awesome. Air Force bags, three great players. Um on top of that, Connor Jones signs with the University of Michigan. Uh, Michigan and Reese Atterbury is already there from Eagle Crest and also Dungeon Family. He's been there for two years. Uh, Reese was, was a, a really good offensive lineman from Eagle Crest, and they won the Joe Moore Award the other day for the best offensive line in, in the country, which is pretty kick-ass. We're going to talk about that with Carl, Kyle Devan going to Colorado as the offensive line coach, being an assistant at Michigan. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But Connor Jones signs with Michigan. Connor is a, uh, a, a you know an absolute workhorse uh, and just a super versatile player 
uh, on the offensive line. He's early enrolling uh, up at Michigan. He leaves in about two weeks. In, in fact, his last session was yesterday, and he's been with me for four years, and it, it's not going to lie, it was a little emotional. Love watching my guys succeed, but, uh, you know, everybody's got to leave eventually. That's the point. We're not trying to retain clientele. We're trying to push them out the door on scholarship because that's what the fuck we do at 6-0. So, Connor Jones goes to Michigan, which is huge, one of the best offensive linemen in the state. Uh, Braden Miller uh, goes to Michigan State and goes to Mel Tucker and Coach Kapovic. Uh, they kept that recruiting uh, relationship going, and they bagged uh, Braden Miller, who's a 6'6", uh, really nasty offensive lineman from Eagle Crest. Great length, really, really good lower half, uh, great feet. An unbelievable student. His brother, Bear, is also in the program. Uh, Bear is now a three-year starter at left guard at Stanford. He played as a true freshman. Uh, having both of them back in the gym on break, Stanford didn't make a bowl game, unfortunately. But watching them work together the other day and call out double teams and all that kind of shit, it just it's really what 6-0 is all about. So that's pretty cool. I know the Miller family is – God knows how much money they've saved after they invested in the program correctly and put both their boys in it at the right time. And I think Bear and Braden both would have been great college football players without my help, but they are, they are just unbelievably good college football players and full ride power five division one offensive linemen and guys who are going to play a lot of college football in big time situations and bear already being at Stanford's three years in with two more years to play and Braden going to Michigan state, uh, to play for Coach Tucker, and all they do is play in big games with that man at the helm. So Braden Miller goes to Michigan State. Uh, now the, the Miller brothers play at Michigan State and Stanford respectively, so I'm sure that Stacy and, and Matt, uh, mom and dad, are, are really, really pulling for a Michigan State-Stanford Rose Bowl at some point with both those boys on the field. <clears throat> and we continue. Um, Travis Gray, the outstanding Travis Gray, all six-foot, like 10 of Travis Gray. He's not 6'10", but he is one of the biggest individuals I've ever, I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Travis had to bend, like bend over literally to get through the door frame the other day. <clears throat> he signs with Colorado. Uh, it's awesome that CU brought him in. I'm, I'm very, we're going to talk about the recruiting stuff in a little bit, so we're not going to go down that road at this moment, but them being able to get another legacy with his his dad being on the national title team back in the day. So that's two in this class alone. Uh, with Travis now signing with the University of Colorado and him being in there training right now with all of his all of his future teammates who are all home on break from Jake Wiley to Austin Johnson to Casey Roddick and so on and so forth. Uh, Kari, Kari Kush, the outstanding guard center, is going to train for us for the pro day in the combine. So he's in there right now before he goes to his uh, his college all-star game. Travis signs with Colorado, and I think it's a huge get. Uh, he's an unbelievably smooth player at left tackle. He's going to develop under Kyle Devan. Kyle's going to take this big bastard and turn him into a, a damn pro. And I already think Travis is going down that road, but with his natural knee bend and ankle flexibility, his foot speed, his ability to reach out and touch from across the room, and the attitude that he has honed since day one when he walked in the door, you know, his, his high school coach, Joe Johnson, you know, he's retired now, so I don't have a problem calling him by his name. But, you know, they told him to focus on basketball and, you know, it's don't go to six zero. It's just going to fleece you and yada, yada, yada. And when he walked in and, you know, he's, he, you could see the emotion on his face being told that he couldn't do something at 15 years old where I look at at him at 15 at six four with nothing but, you know, space and opportunity to grow and develop. 
And I just told him straight to his face, like, look, fuck them. What do they know? How are they going to tell you what you're going to do down the road in the future? Use that as your motivation for the rest of your days playing tackle. And I'm telling you, that young man went to work. And I, I the tip of the cap to Travis Gray and his family, uh, all they've accomplished. It, it's such a huge gift for CU. Uh, and, and I'm glad that they did pull the trigger on them and kept them home and didn't let them go to Maryland. Um, but Travis is going to be an unbelievably good football player for the University of Colorado. And I think he's going to go up there and compete for playing time very early, as I know they're trying to get a lot of fresh blood on the field up there and, and put in some work on that offensive line. <clears throat> on top of that, uh, in my opinion, the University of Northern Colorado bagged two of the best skill players in the state of Colorado with two of the guys that did sign early with Northern Colorado and Bryce Bass and Blake Haggerty. Blake Haggerty is an unbelievably good uh, slot. He was first team all conference slot re or receiver, first team all conference DB and first team all conference returner. Um, he's a true concrete car, Charlie, a two-way player. I love him at DB. I think he's elite at receiver. He's got an alpha mentality. He puts in the work. He's legit for, you know, low, high 4-4, four, four, low 4-5 four, in the 40. He's got glue on his hands. He never drops the ball, and he's a hitter. Uh, you know, CU ended up signing Grant Page, the wide receiver from Fairview, uh, after Nebraska dropped him from, from the, their recruiting docket. And Castleview, where Blake went and Fairview played this year, and if you go watch that tape, Blake Haggerty, absolutely, no offense to Grant Page, this is just what's on film. You can get mad about it all you fucking want, like I care. But Blake Haggerty absolutely ate Grant Page alive. I think, Grant, I think Blake and Bryce, and then moving to Bryce, Bryce is an unbelievably good uh, running back from Legend. Legend was a Final Four team this year uh, in, in 5A playoffs, and he, he was the heart and soul of that team offensively um he's as laterally fast as he is vertically uh, he's a worker <clears throat> he's got good hands he's really good out of the backfield he's another guy who's legit you know high four four low four five he he dominated up at cu's camp when i saw him this year so for ed mccaffrey in northern colorado to, to identify those two and bring them in and sign both of them early in my opinion that that's what northern colorado needs to do to get back to relevance in the big sky those are two kids that i think are no-brainer uh, uh, division one players. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not shocked that Colorado state didn't bring them in. Uh, Colorado state didn't sign Ramos at the early signing period, which I think is a massive, massive mistake. Uh, I think uh, Ramos is the best three technique in Colorado. And now I'm on the recruiting trail again, trying to get him to other places. Uh, and he's putting in work every day, pissed off for greatness. So that's a good thing, but you know, CSU restaffs with with Coach Norvell getting the job up there, and they didn't want to really sign a lot of the guys that were committed. Uh, which I don't, I don't know about all the others, but I know what Ramos is and is going to be, and I think that's a massive, massive mistake. But at the same time, they have to do their due diligence. Uh, and again, like one thing I'm running into a lot uh, with the sensitive nature of of coaches and and football players is like because I'm a coach and I run a facility and work with all these guys, I should somehow like skew my opinion in the media or some shit because I might hurt somebody's feelings because they know me personally. And I think that is the biggest cop out bullshit on earth. I'm never going to skew my opinion. I always am going to say what I say. I stand behind it. I really believe in what I'm talking about and what I do. And if you're that offended by it, fix it. Period. It's like what I tell the high school coaches all the time. Like, oh, you don't like what I do? Do your fucking job. It's not rocket science. 
if your kid needs, if you're a player who's a bona fide, you know, a college football player needs to come to me for technique work, strength, conditioning, agility, speed, men, the mental side of the game and all of his recruiting help, then what exactly is he doing for you? Just helping you win high school games. And that's not a bad thing. Win high school games. But your job is to develop young men, not just win high school games. Let's be real. So <clears throat> if, if you can do all those things, guys don't need to come see me. So you don't like me? Do your job. You don't want you don't want to hear what I have to say about, you know, the certain things and you don't like it. And you're sensitive. Fix it. Otherwise, you know, I have the the resume and and the, the backbone to actually say what I mean and mean what I say. So uh, early signing day was an absolute success again. And I, I tip my cap to all my guys that did sign uh, as your coach. I'm so damn proud of all of you. But gentlemen, this is just the beginning, as you know, and our goal is not to get to college. Our goal is to stay there and build a legacy. And, you know, be able to walk onto the field whenever the hell you want and, you know, be, be greeted uh, with respect in the way it should be as a guy who contributes to a, a college football program the way these gentlemen are going to. So <clears throat> let's move on here. Episode 138 with Chesney Unchained. Uh, rolls here at thednvr.com. Make sure you go to the website and check everything out. Uh, make sure you check out at Six Zero Academy at sixzeroacademy.com and then also at Six Zero Academy on Twitter and Instagram. Give you an indication of what we do and how we do it. Uh, if you're looking for recruiting help out there or football development or really anything from an athletic standpoint, uh, we train any and everyone, but we do specialize in football, especially the big guys. Uh, but we do train everybody and we do coach everybody. So if you're looking for more and you want to take it seriously, that's what we do. I really can't wait for the combine season to start up. Uh, we just, you know, we just signed, uh, uh, Joshua Berger from Texas tech, uh, Kari Kush from Colorado is going to be joining us. I'm meeting with the big all American guard from air force after their bowl game, uh, Hawk Weimer. I'm super pumped about that. That kid is an absolute animal and a stud. Uh, the Buckus war finalist, Chad Muma from legend high school, another member of the dungeon family, uh, won yesterday. Wyoming had a great bowl win, uh, up on the blue turf and turf in Boise. So we'll be meeting after uh the christmas break there to to get him rolling and and get chad drafted you know high first early second you know early third at the latest in my opinion uh and hopefully i i'd like to see the broncos go out and, and spend a second round draft pick on a guy like chad muma who's a hometown kid who can actually cover tight ends and backs out of the backfield and in my opinion is one of the best pure linebackers in college football so let's get into that man college football all right so signing day's over uh, the February signing day is coming up. That's more for the one double A's and the D twos. And a lot of guys in the gym still work. And that's a good thing. Um, I, I bring that up because, you know, over the weekend, there were FCS playoff games, Montana state and South Dakota state and, you know, Sam Houston and all these other North Dakota state and so on and so forth. And the FCS playoff games are so much better than the, just the, the, the UTEP Fresno state horseshit bowl. And no one's there. No one cares. The players don't even care. I mean, the players care. That's wrong for me to say. But it, let's be real. It's an exhibition game these days. And bowl games have never been more irrelevant unless you're in the playoff or one of the big six. Um, you know, one of the, like, the, the holiday bowl is still cool, stuff like that. But the FCF playoff games, the Montana State games, South Dakota State games, uh, respectively, was amazing. Those kids were out there balling. So I just can't wait until, you know, big boy football decides to pull their head out of their ass and expand the playoff and actually make this, you know, at, as 
as parody driven as football is, I despise all these people that say there's only four teams that deserve a chance at the title because they're the four best. I think there's 12 teams that deserve a chance at the title. Losing one or two games in the season doesn't necessarily disqualify you from being uh, having the ability to win a national title. I, I think that's absolute horseshit. I, I love the way the NFL does it. The more teams in the playoff, the better. I love the only one team gets a bye. I love seven playoff teams. Shit, I'd expand it if I could. It's just better. It's more football. It's more to bet on. It's more to watch. And there's so much goddamn parity. I don't see how you can just say, as you know, all these, what, 13 dudes that sit in a damn room and watch football and say, this team's better than that team. We're just saying it is. Football's played on the field, and I, I really it's starting to piss me off that college football only lets four compete for the title. And it seems, you know, with the exception of this year primarily, it's been the same goddamn four teams pretty much every year. So, so I'd like to see them change that and expand the playoff uh, ASAP. And for anybody who thinks that's bad, I mean, that, how? It's more money. It's more games. I mean, it split everything to four conferences. Go to 20 teams a conference, two 10-team divisions. Play your conference plus two, play 14 games, and let's roll. You're not going to play some teams in conference every year and just rotate it and, 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 you know, figure this out so everybody's on an equal playing field so we can actually get the best teams in the playoff and actually figure out who's best. Because I, I think that there's a lot of times in college football where sometimes the best team doesn't even get a chance to play for the national title. And, and yeah, I'm a little personal about this. In 2001 at the University of Colorado, we were a two-loss team. We lost the opener to Fresno. We lost to Texas and Austin. And then we ended up beating Texas in the Big 12 title game again. So I think that kind of ixnays the loss in Austin, in my opinion. We won the Big 12, but we had that loss to Fresno. Uh, we didn't end up playing Washington State, or we didn't end up playing our game that year because of the 2001 tragedy. Uh, Nebraska ended up playing their game that year. So they had an extra game and an extra win over Troy State or some shit. We beat them by 30 points. They played for the national title, didn't even win their division. We had to go to the Fiesta Bowl. And I'm saying, like, you put us in the national title against Miami, a different team shows up at the Rose Bowl as the one that showed up uh, in, in Phoenix for the Fiesta Bowl, just for the simple fact that everybody was so angry and disconcerted after doing our job and getting left out. So you can only imagine how certain teams feel on the outside looking into the playoff going, wow, wow, man, if we could have just figured out a win, way to win our first or second game this year, and then we went on this run and we lost one other game in the season, we finished 11-2 and two or 10-2, and two, we can't get in. That, that sucks, man. That sucks. Football's supposed to be played on the field. Now, all that said, when you're looking at the games that are upcoming in the playoff, and you look at Cincinnati being huge dogs to Alabama, and you look at Michigan and Georgia, I think that the fact that everybody just thinks Alabama and Georgia are just going to win are exactly the reason why they're not. I watched Cincinnati take Georgia to the rope last year in the Peach Bowl and damn near beat them. And with the if the left tackle for Cincinnati last year, I can't remember his name, but he was a draft pick. If he doesn't get ejected for a horseshit block where, where he's just blocking some dude and his helmet acts, hits the DB's helmet and they kick him out for targeting, they put the backup in. The backup gets eaten alive uh, by, the, by number 13 for Georgia. I can't remember his name either, but he was a first-round draft pick defensive end. He starts eating the backup left tackle alive, and the game is over. And they still they still could have beat him at the end of the game. I'm pretty sure it was a one-possession game. So to say that Cincinnati, who is undefeated and rolling, and their only loss in the last two years is that game, 
and they have something to prove for every non-power five school and all these all the little guys out there you think they're not going to show up motivated the 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 four week lull in between this and that and all the shine being throw thrown on Alabama, the Heisman winner, and so on and so forth, winning the SEC. I know Saban's going to have his guys ready, and they're going to play well, I guess, but I've also watched the Nick Saban team get beat by Utah back in the day. So they're not invincible. A&M beat them at home. Auburn took them to the fucking ropes and almost had them out of the playoff completely. I know it's a rivalry game, but I don't care. It's got hype around it. Kids care. And these are not professionals. They're kids. They're college kids. They're up and down still. They're not bona fide pros. They don't know how to just take a month off and then play in the biggest game of their life. Look, if anybody can do it, it's Alabama. They seem to do it every year. But I just feel like this is the year where you're going to get Cincinnati, Michigan in the national title. And that's the way I'm going to be betting. And I don't care if you think I'm crazy. That's why you don't make any fucking money betting. And I'm over here diving into coins like Scrooge McDuck at Christmas time. So, you know, again, like, let, let's be real. I'm, I, I really truly believe that Michigan is going to handle Georgia. I think Georgia's quarterback situation, JT Daniels has COVID number one. I think he'll be fine to play in the game. But at the same time, the, I don't like the, the backup Stinson. I think JT Daniels is extremely overrated. I think Georgia is a very good football team. But I think Michigan is on a roll. Uh, Michigan just beat their rival. They hammered Iowa in the Big Ten title game. You know, they had a defensive end go to the Heisman ceremony, for God's sakes. The last time a D lineman went to the Heisman ceremony, his name was Indomitian Sue. Hutchinson is an absolute monster. And week in Duque or whatever the other dude's name is on the other side, it's almost as good, if not better. I know I'm a homer here because, you know, I've, I've got an offensive lineman at the University of Michigan. Connor Jones is going there next year. They just got Kyle DeVan to come to Colorado to be the old line coach from Michigan. I've got a lot of ties with the University of Michigan. I, I, I want them to win, yes. But I'm also not blinded by the fact that just because I want them to win, they're going to. I actually believe that they will. I think they're going to pound the rock, control the time of possession, and they're going to beat Georgia. And then at the other end of the spectrum here, I think Cincinnati has a legitimate shot to go out and run with Alabama. Definitely, if they're 14-point dogs still, I would definitely take that number. They're not losing by more than 14. Luke Fickle's a great defensive coach, and they have something to play for, guys. Alabama's expect to, expected to win. Cincinnati's going to because they have so much to play for. This is something we're obviously going to talk about next week at, at nauseum uh, also because the game is at the end of next week. But at the same time here, you're telling me these are the only four teams that should play for the national title? No. Baylor should be playing for the national title. Period. Ohio State should still have an opportunity to play for the national title. Pittsburgh should have, should have an opportunity to play for the national title. I don't look. You can't. Oh, they lost to Western Michigan at home, so they had a fucking bad day. <laughs> Perfection in college football is not the goal. Every team just wants to win their conference and then see where the cards fall because they all say, "Well, I we can't control that." Only if you're undefeated. It's like the only way you can control it. And that's asking a lot, man. The goal in football is not to go undefeated. The goal is to win your conference championship. And if you get into the dance, you get in. Yes, you'd like guys to take care of their business and win every game. I mean, come on. But it's football and it's not realistic. It just doesn't happen like that more times than not. I.e., look at every team other than Cincinnati. 
Cincinnati went on like a month long strain too, where they had, they won one possession games from Navy to Tulane and so on and so forth. They're, they didn't play up. They were trying to survive. Alabama lost the game. Georgia lost the game. Michigan lost the game. It's what it is. So you're not always going to finish where you want. It's how you finish. It's not, it's not how you get there in my opinion. So we'll see what happens with the college football playoff and the bowl games moving forward. <clears throat> All right, so the University of Colorado, they finally hire a, an offensive coordinator. Uh, I, I like the, the, the hire, and, and Coach Sanford, I think that's, that's his name from Minnesota. Uh, I am terrible with people's names, and everybody at DNVR knows it, and everyone knows it. I'm fucking god-awful with them. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I hope that I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I guess we'll see in a second. Yep, Sanford. Um, judging by the conversations I've had with coaches around the – college football landscape since they did hire this man uh, i don't know him personally but i like his resume he's coming from a lot of teams that pound the rock and i think he's going to be extremely you know heavy on offensive line development and recruiting and tight ends and fullbacks and controlling the time of possession through the run game and you know making it so the other team actually has to beat us we're not beating ourselves which is huge so I, i'm excited about that hire but i am 10 times more excited about my guy, uh, Kyle Devan, joining the, the Colorado Buffaloes as the offensive line coach. And, you know, I, I played with Coach Devan back in the day. We trained together forever. Uh, I've been in constant contact with him through his, through his coaching career and whatnot. Um, I, I thought he got a raw deal at Arizona. You know, they kind of cleaned house down there, and he was part of that. He, he, he gets on with the University of Michigan and, and, and helps them go to where they're at. He's going to stay with them through this, uh, through this championship run, and, and he should uh, help them win the Joe Moore Award there. Coach Moore, uh, the, the great offensive line coach at Michigan, is obviously the tip of that spear, but, but Coach Devan was his right-hand man. Uh, Reese and the entire offensive line just rave about uh, Coach Devan, which I already knew was going to happen. Uh, I apologize for posting that he was the coach. I had no idea that it wasn't public. I just had one of my guys at Michigan tell me, and I was excited about it, and it is what it is. Again, save your criticism and your hurt feelings. I don't give a shit. Um, I think Coach Devan is exactly what CU needs. He's a technician. He did it. He started the Super Bowl. Uh, he's an undrafted guy from Oregon State. He had to really bust his ass in the NFL to, to get a job and keep a job. Um, you know, so he, he knows what that's like and he can he can talk to it and he can apply his knowledge and his experience to what his guys are going to go through. Um, you know, after all the 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 bitching and moaning and complaining about the offensive line, it's going to get fixed now. This guy is a fixer. And I, I think that what it, all the stuff he's learned from all the stops, and especially being at Michigan this year, the importance of running the football and how. In college football, if you really put your nose to the grindstone and commit to the running game, it can take you wherever you want to go as opposed to just the trendy, you know, we've got to score 50 points a game with these spread offenses and zone reach systems. I'm not saying you're not going to get some of that from this team, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're 75% 80 run. And that's what they need to do with tight ends on the fields and fullbacks to control the time of possession at altitude and bloody people's lips in Boulder. Every fucking team in the University of Colorado's history that's ever had any balls would 
absolutely dominated in the trenches and beat the shit out of people up front. And that's the, that's the MO that we've always ran with. And it's the MO that we need to run with going forward. And I think that bringing, bringing coach Devan in uh, coach Darrell making this move is huge. Uh, and I support it 1000%. I think it's a great move. And not only from a recruiting standpoint, coach and I have already been on the phone twice talking, you know, it was mainly just me, you know, telling him congratulations and how pumped I am that my homeboy's coming to Boulder and, and getting a chance to, to write that shit. But I really think that he's the kind of guy that, look, I'm just going to say this. Since Clayton Adams was the coach up there on the offensive line, with the exception of Coach Kapovic, Clayton and Mitch, the, the last guy that was there, they both thought that I wanted their job. And I'm not going to say they're wrong, but more than wanting to work there, I didn't want to work at the University of Colorado as the offensive line coach because I played O-line there. I didn't. I played defensive line there. I to be completely honest with you, I probably, I'd probably rather be a defensive line coach in college and work under Coach Wilson. I thought that they needed help in the offensive line room so bad that I was willing to walk away from my business if they, if they would give me the opportunity to go be the offensive line coach there to help my university pull out of this godforsaken hole that they're in. Now, that said, I don't want to walk away from 6-0. My goal isn't to be the offensive line coach at CU. Coach Kaplovic, I had no desire to be the offensive line coach when he was the coach there, and he knew it because he's a confident coach who believed in himself and believed in his program and his system, and we worked together hand-in-hand, hand, and it was extremely productive and, and still is. Coach Devan and I are friends. We've known each other forever. He's my guy. If they're not going to bring me in or somebody you know that's extremely bona fide, he is the best fit. He's a way better college offensive line coach than I could ever even try and be at this point. So making that kind of hire tells me that Coach Durrell is in tune to what's going on here, and he's making a complete 180-degree turn from a guy in, in Mitch Rodriguez that, that, you know, for all of his faults, just couldn't connect with the players and didn't know what he was talking about. His scheme was atrocious, and he couldn't develop his guys technically. Whereas Kai, Coach Devan's stuff, it, it, his scheme is is consistent. He knows what he's talking about. He's done it at the highest level. He knows what it takes to train to do it and also to teach to do it. And he's a technician, which means he's going to get down there and sweat with his guys. And he's not just going to stand there with a whistle in his mouth yelling. He's actually going to be down there sweating and bleeding and in the trench with his guys getting right. And that's what they need. So to have Coach Devan walk into this job as the offensive line coach and, and everything he's gone through to get to this point and how excited he is to be part of this family. He is so goddamn excited to be the offensive line coach here. It has me excited, and I was through the roof anyway. So I think it's an unbelievably good hire. It's going to help with recruiting because he's not worried about me trying to go get his fucking job. He's secure in what he's doing. Everything isn't an indictment on him like, oh, well, just hire McChesney or whatever, whatever they think. That's not what's happening here. Whereas with Clayton Adams and, and, and Coach Mitch, that's exactly what was going on. Coach Rodrigo, in my opinion, was so damn intimidated by my presence alone. Last year, we had a meeting up at CU where I went up there and, 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 uh, and put all the recruits on the table, everybody. We watched about an hour and a half of film. It was me and the entire staff. It was very productive. In the middle of the meeting, he just got up and left. So there's not a lot of give and take there. Like it, it's, it's, it was almost contentious to a point. 
And it doesn't need to be like that, dog. I got, I've got a running business that's booming. I don't necessarily want to do this. But when I look at a situation and I care about a place the way I do about CU, if they're not going to go out and get the absolute best to do the job, oh, well, I think I can do a better job than the guy that's there. That's not the case with Cap, and it damn sure ain't the case with Coach Devan. And I support this move a thousand percent. And I think he's going to do an unbelievable job. And I can't wait to get this next round of offensive linemen and players in front of them so we can start evaluating them and get those boys to Boulder, build the trench up, and start knocking people's teeth down the throat again in Boulder the way it's supposed to be done. So, needless to say, I'm pulling for the University of Michigan. Uh, hoping that Coach Devan and, and that unbelievably good football team up there in Ann Arbor gets a national title ring this year uh, and figures out a way to get that done. That would be pretty kick-ass. So keep your eyes and ears to the uh, the grindstone there for Coach Devan and all he's going to be doing up there at the University of Colorado. Okay, so moving on. National Football League. Um, first off, I, I know this is a little bit old news, but i got to get my two cents out on it. Urban Meyer's gone in Jacksonville. I, I can't believe people actually thought this shit was going to work. I adamantly go back and check the tape, but I said it was going to be a disaster from day one, and it was worse. Um, you can't hire that kind of guy in the National Football League. We're grown men. You can't fucking rah-rah us. This is, we're getting paid to play. If you don't do your job, you lose your job, i.e. Urban Meyer losing his fucking job. Um, and also, like, he kicked the kicker, okay? That was the last straw. But to act like coaches haven't been striking players since the beginning of football is insane. It doesn't happen anymore. Social media and video cameras and everybody having the ability to put you on blast every fucking five minutes um, has eliminated all that, which is a good thing. That shouldn't be happening. But my high school coach at Niwot back in the day in the middle of a game in half, at halftime, I took my helmet off and turned around and just socked the fuck out of me. It almost knocked me over. I didn't even see it coming. And he came from the left, too, so it was a double whammy. <laughs> if you don't know that joke, you don't know me very well. Do your research. I'm definitely not resigning and going to race NASCAR. That's for damn sure. Not unless there's four stop signs. So I just he just up and hit me in the face. I didn't go and cry about it or anything. What am I going to do? But that's old school mentality. It's the way it is. The days of grabbing face masks and shaking kids around and being a complete prick bastard. Can't do that shit anymore. You actually have to coach. So for Urban Meyer to have that happen, showing the way he did, bro, it uh, I knew it was going to end bad, but it ended worse. Uh, so Jacksonville really needs to figure that out. You're going to ruin Trevor Lawrence and send him to somebody else, uh, to another franchise after he's completely destroyed by Jacksonville. And he's probably going to turn into a really good player, but I don't know how they could be that bad. They, it's not like they don't have any talent with LaVisca and Trevor Lawrence and all these other dudes. They should be able to at least look proficient, but when your head coach is a walking contradiction and an absolute disaster, uh, things are going to go bad, to say the least. Okay, so speaking of things going bad and absolute coaching disasters, the Denver Broncos, okay, um, last week against the Bengals, okay, I, I don't know if I've ever been more frustrated, and that's saying something, watching Denver play than last week. It, uh, it, it's just the, the biggest game in the last five years here. The, the atmosphere is electric. This place is bumping. You just had a massive win against the worst team in football, or the third worst team in football in Detroit being 38 to 10. You honored Demarius Thomas. And I, I said this, and I meant it, and I still do. 
that win against Detroit and everything that was that is stood for, not just beating Detroit, but the Demarius Day. I said it you know, after it happened, and I and I say it now. It almost takes away from the victory and how cool the day was for Demarius because they turned out in a performance like that against Cincinnati. The defense, uh, man, I can't really sit here and say that the defense didn't ball. They did. They balled out. They had some. They had some uncharacteristic busts. The touchdown to Boyd at the, you know, that was that was a hard one to take. That was a bust in coverage. But with the exception of that play and, you know, a couple of other little things, I thought they played really well. I really think Vic Fangio needs to learn how to, like, clock manage and things of that nature. But he's he's not the head coach, in my opinion. He's just the defensive coordinator that also serves as the guy that talks to the team at 8 a.m. I don't know who the head coach of this team is. They don't have one. They've got an offensive coordinator that doesn't – that the head coach doesn't rein in and doesn't tell what to do, that kind of just comes up with different shit to do on a daily basis and on a play-by-play basis. Uh, and the, the head coach, Vic Fangio, I think that he's so disconnected from the offense that it almost makes him it, – it, it almost makes him fireable just for that. Like, you're, you're the head coach, bro. You have to you have to have the ability to walk over to the offensive coordinator or get on your fucking microphone up and, and get, him on the, get him on the phone up there in the booth and go, yo, can we change this up? Can we run the ball more? Can we be more effective on third down? Can we move the pocket? Can we – what are we doing here? But instead, it's just this, like, this old – old adage in the NFL where we're just going to trust our guys and they're veterans and they will figure it out. No, he's Patty boy's not going to figure it out. He's got a long, long line of not figuring out shit and getting fired. He's it's the good old boy coaching system. And this is what good old boy coaching system gets you. This is what it gets you. It gets you another year of no playoffs. I know that they're still in contention for the playoffs, but they're in the 10 seed in the AFC. There, it's not happening. I mean, there's a lot of shit that needs to go wrong for it to happen. And on top of that, Drew Locke's starting this week in, in Las Vegas. Vegas is coming off a huge win at Cleveland, something Denver couldn't do against uh, against a backup quarterback. They beat the third stringer. You know, I hope that Denver can go to Vegas and get a win against the Raiders, but I, I don't see it happening, to be completely honest with you. Definitely not with Drew Locke. Drew Locke last year in this game against the Raiders got absolutely blitzed. He got hit over and over and over again. And it's his own damn fault because he can't change a protection. I broke this game down back when we used to do the turning point, and it was atrociously terrible last year, and it was on him. The quarterback is responsible for the protection, folks. The offensive linemen are responsible for where he says to go and who to block, but he's responsible for his own teeth. So if you don't fucking know the protection scheme, it ain't my fault that you're getting ran over, bro. It's your fault. Learn the protection schemes and you'll understand the football game a lot better and be able to use your big cannon of an arm. But when you go full circle here and you talk about Bridgewater going out and Locke going in and that's that moment of the game, okay? First of all, I hope Teddy's okay. I don't want to see him play again this year. This is the second concussion. I understand that people don't give a shit about the players, and that's fine. It's entertainment, but I care about him, and I want him to shut it down. He's not going to be the quarterback here next year unless. Um, but I'd like to. I'd like him for him to, for him to at least value his brain a little bit more uh, than the Broncos do, and just not play. Uh, so he needs to shut it down, and I, I'd rather see Rippin play over Drew Locke. I I. Personally, I'd rather see Rippon go in because I know Rippon doesn't have the huge arm and doesn't have this like hero mentality that Drew Locke has. So he's not trying to make every play. 
which is exactly what the Broncos need to be successful. They need a they need to run the ball 80% of the time with a quarterback who can't necessarily beat them or get them beat by throwing the football down the field into, into tight windows that he shouldn't be throwing into. Rippon's going to take what, what he can get. He's going to operate the offense effectively, and he'll actually give the Broncos an opportunity to win in the next three weeks rather than Drew Locke going out there. And what he's going to do against the Raiders on Sunday is the same thing we've seen him do every time he gets in the game, which is he'll make a couple plays. Yeah, they'll score 14 points or so, but it's going to be reckless. There's going to be massive turnover problems. He's not going to make the right play at the right time. He's got a hero mentality, which means he wants to hear his name on the fucking loudspeaker. Therefore, he makes plays that are that are inconceivable to think. Like The, the fact that he did not give the ball on that zone read on the goal line Tells me all I need to know because he saw the – he was like, oh, I'm going to score, and it's going to be I'm the reason they're going to win. And, I look, this is my opinion, but I also think it's true. Give the ball. Gordon and Williams are excellent inside the 10 when they're given the opportunity to score, especially Williams. God, man, 33 is such a load. Give the ball. Score a touchdown. You're still a hero. You led the you led a drive that takes us up 16, 17 to 15 and probably win the game instead of making mistakes that cost us the football game. So look, the Drew Lock experiment, the Teddy Bridgewater experiment are over. The the ripping experiment, I still think, is is one that needs to be played out. And look, if you're sitting here shaking your head like, oh, who needs to see Brett Rippin? Look, his uncle was an unbelievably good player back in the day, and people talked about him the same way until he got his opportunity, and then he went and won a Super Bowl and had a really long career. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with this kid, but he was really good at Boise. He's smart. He's obviously patient. He was ready when he played last year in the worst circumstances possible because of COVID and whatnot on the road, and they won that game. I I prefer to see him out there for three weeks and at least somebody that can change a protection and, you know, put himself in position to be successful rather than this horse shit that we saw last Sunday. And I don't know if it's a pressure thing or a talent thing, but it seems to me that there's a huge problem with this team every time pressure is applied from the outside looking in from this perspective. The Kansas City game in Kansas City is a must win. They play terrible. The the Detroit game, the, the pressure's lifted because everybody's thinking about Demarius and they're playing fucking Detroit, and they play outstanding, outstanding. This week, a must-win game against Cincinnati. It's pretty much a playoff game, and they, they played terribly. I mean, it was lackluster, to say the least. The effort was there, but the preparation was terrible. The offensive scheme was terrible. The offensive line didn't get any real push. Uh, the only the only spark on offense I've seen really uh, this year is Javante Williams. He's been unbelievably good. Sutton and Patrick have gotten their deals, and I always knew Patrick was a third receiver, and and that's fine. But Cortland Sutton has completely disappeared. I know every <laughs> I love the there's an article I can't remember who wrote it, but Denver Post wrote an article, and like. You know, all the all the non-Denver Post writers freaked out on it. This is a trash article. And I'm like, well, is it trash or do you just not like the Denver Post? Because they're not wrong. Cortland Sutton's totally fucking evaporated since he got his deal. He doesn't have a touchdown. He doesn't have a 100-yard game. 
I mean, what does he have? Like the best, his best game has been a four catch game, five catch game this year. That's what you're getting out of a guy who's making that much money. And you're mad because they're calling him out. Or is the article just written by the company that you don't like? This is what I'm talking about. This whole frame of sensitivity. It's unreal these days, bro. Like if somebody disagrees with you or you don't have the same sports opinion, all of a sudden you're, you're an asshole or like, you don't know what you're talking about, but that's not the way this works. It's just an opinion. It's just sports. Don't cry. Dry your eyes. It's all good. (laughs) Everybody's watching the same game and they come up with different opinions and your opinion isn't wrong. It's your opinion. You're not an idiot because of it. It's not a trash article. It's actually pretty valid. Has Corlin Sutton been good up to this point? No. Has he been worse since he got paid? Yes. Is that the quarterback's fault? Yeah. Is it the offensive coordinator's fault? Yep. And is it the wide receiver's fault too? Yes. It's everyone's fault. Take a bite of the shit sandwich, smile, and figure out how to fix it or get rid of him. That's the way this, that's the way this league works. So I, I'm looking at this entire situation, and I want the Broncos to win the next three games. I want them to. I want them to be a, a 10 and 7 team and, and have a chance for the playoffs. I mean, it, as of right now, in both the AFC and the NFC, if you look at it, it's like, I think it's like the late 70s, early 80s. It's the last time you've had this many teams within a game of each other fighting for playoff spots. Like everybody's still alive. That's a good thing. That means you're going to get great games the next three weeks. That said, Let's say by some miracle they do win the next three. They beat Kansas City at the last game of the season, and they do it with Rippon instead of Locke. Do you take Rippon out and put Bridgewater in for the playoffs? No. You can't make changes like that with the guy that got you there. But then again, I don't know if they want that because then they start a quarterback controversy with whoever you bring in and Brett Rippon. He should be the second or third string guy here for years to come. And I know I'm blowing Brett Rippon right now, but – God almighty, I'd rather do that than just get my ass paddled by Teddy Bridgewater, who can't stay healthy, God forbid. I'm not trying to call him out, but, you know, it's it's time to hang it up this year, Teddy. You've taken a pounding. And Drew Locke. I I just can't do it. I can't watch Drew anymore. If Drew Locke's playing on Sunday, I I don't want to watch the game. I'm good. I don't want to watch this shit. I'm tired of it. Even if he does win, I don't care. He's got to play the Chargers and the Chiefs after that. Beating the Raiders, great. How are you going to play against the two playoff teams? And the Raiders are fighting for the playoffs too. So I'm, I'm pretty disappointed in, in the effort and the game planning offensively. I feel bad for the defense at times. I, I, I know that there's got to be some real, some real deep contention in that room between the offense and the defense. And it's probably stoked by the head coach, to be completely honest with you, because he's a defensive guy. So I bet you behind closed doors, he's like, God almighty. We can't get anything done on offense. We're terrible. And that shouldn't be his way of thinking. It should be like, hey, I'm the head coach of the Broncos. How do I figure out a way to fix this so I can keep my job? So I'm praying that everybody gets fired and they restaff and they actually hire somebody that, again, can establish consistent offensive football here and develop a quarterback. Or, you know, let's just be real. There's a new rule now in the National Football League that says, Two weeks into the end of the season, you can fire your coach and start looking for a new one. So if they lose to the Raiders on Sunday, even if they win, if you're not bringing him back, just get rid of them now and, and go after who you need to go after and get a head start because Jacksonville has a head start on everybody. And that head start needs to be 
you know, that there needs to be an advantageous position for the Denver Broncos if they need to move forward and find a great head coach. So I don't know, man, do a little bit of tampering here. You know, you ain't cheating if you ain't trying. Or is that the other way around? I don't know. But if Aaron Rodgers is on the top of that priority list, who does he want to be the head coach? Fire, fire Fangio, find out who that guy is, and go get his ass with two weeks left in the season, and then make it even more appealing and attractive for, for Aaron Rodgers' sensitive ass to come to Denver. <laughs> so, uh, look, man, I, I think that there's a lot going on here. But I also think that, you know, the Broncos are a great franchise and hopefully they, they hire the right guy. The ownership situation is a totally different conversation for a different day. But I guess we'll see how it goes. A lot of it has to do with what happens over the next three weeks. So, okay. Enjoy your Christmas vacation, everybody. Uh, make sure that you, you know, you can never give too many hugs, too many kisses and tell your family you love them enough. Uh, you, you never know when it's your last Christmas with somebody. I'm not trying to bring down the mood or anything, but every year at this time, it always brings me back to, you know, looking at pictures and wishing that certain people that were in my life long ago were still here. Uh, and that's really the point of, of Christmas and, and giving back with your family and, and helping people that you may not know. So, you know, if you see somebody out there struggling, it's never, it's never a bad thing to help someone. Uh, that you don't know to help a stranger to you know cover somebody's bill at target to buy somebody's you know coffee in line did little tiny things like that they go a really long way to uh to ensuring that you and your family are taken care of too by the old karma god so again merry christmas and happy holidays to everyone out there uh thank you to everybody at the dmbr family for all they do uh from the spanos to adam to ryan to ali uh, to, to any and all down there for all they do to to keep that 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 boat floating in the right direction um i'm excited about the future down at dmvr that place is special so um next week uh, we will be talking more college football obviously as we get ready for the playoff and figuring out if the denver broncos are looking for a head coach or fighting for a playoff spot so this is episode 138 mcchesney unchained i am your host matt mcchesney make sure you follow everything at sincere academy on twitter and instagram and then obviously at dnbr unchained on the twitter page for the show uh, thank you to Adam for uh, 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 quarterbacking the son of a bitch today and have yourself a very Merry Christmas, folks. Bye.